Welcome to the Called Women podcast, a dedicated space for women ready to venture beyond the familiar and embrace the whispers of their true calling. I am your host, Natasha Miller. Join me as we dive into remarkable stories of resilience, celebrating the beauty of blooming in our own time and navigating the sometimes uncertain path to purpose. This podcast is more than an invitation for you to simply step into your unique place in God's story. This is a sacred space where your gifts are not just celebrated, but are needed. So I encourage you not to simply listen, but actively embrace the journey ahead where every episode we are specifically creating for you to make that step closer to fully realizing the extraordinary calling that awaits you. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a quick secret with you. We have a monthly private episode for women who are subscribed to our weekly free newsletter. So I wanna make sure that you're a part of this community because when you are a part of the newsletter, you're able to submit questions where I will personally answer them on a private episode. So if you have questions about your calling, something you wanna be coached through, or if you simply need some encouragement, you wanna make sure that you are a part of the newsletter community. Remember, this podcast isn't my podcast. This is our podcast. And I want you to get your personal questions answered. The link to subscribe to that free newsletter is in the show notes. It's also pinned in our free Facebook community. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Called Women podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Miller. I have another amazing episode to share with you. I have Elsa Marley with me. She is a mental health professional, as well as an advocate for survivors of abuse and also the founder of Repurpose your pain. And I am confident that my conversation with Elsa is going to spark so much hope and um, and confidence in your heart for God's ability to do the impossible in your life. So I want you guys to give our guest, Elsa Marley, a warm welcome. So happy to have you, Elsa. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me, Natasha. Yes. I know I shared a lot of your accomplishments and what you're doing in the earth with your purpose, but I know that you also have some other passions as well. You have a son. Um, so I'd love for you to just kind of share even a bit more of, of who you are with our audience. So I'm a mental health counselor, um, and I also have a small nonprofit organization um, with the Repurpose Movement. Um, and what I do is just work with survivors of trauma, and I help them to essentially repurpose their pain and to look for the silver lining in some of the hardships that they've been through in life. And so um, I have an amazing 13-year-old son. Um, he is just the joy of my life, and he is literally one of the reasons why I'm honestly still alive on this earth to this day. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. So like I mentioned earlier in the introduction is that you have an amazing, you know, God story of how the Lord saved your life and how you're using um, the uh, freedom um, that he's placed in your life to help others. Um, so I would love for you to just give our audience a brief kind of background of your life before God? And when was that moment where you truly encountered him? Yeah. 
Well, my life before God was very short-lived because I got saved when I was three years old. Um, I was at my grandmother's church in Cameroon, West Africa, where I'm born. And I just remember the pastor talking about being friends with Jesus and having this amazing relationship with, with this friend named Jesus. And as a little girl, I remember asking him to be my friend. I didn't really know that I was making some sort of commitment to walk with the Lord for the rest of my life, but I just remembered this warmth and this beautiful feeling from the Holy Spirit and just knowing that I had this imaginary friend that I could talk to at any point in time. And so what I would realize later was that the Holy Spirit needed to encounter me in that moment at such a young age because I would go through a lot of trauma around age three and four. And so I really truly believe that it was very intentional that God met me at age three because had he not done that, I'm not sure that I would even be a believer. It would be very hard to believe that God is real um, with all the pain that, you know, came after my, um, you know, commitment uh, and walk with the Lord. So um, my life, of course, as you know, is a little bit um, complicated, so I'm going to keep it very short. But like I said to you, um, after age three and after making that commitment to the Lord, I soon after started going through a lot of sexual um, abuse um, by my father. Um, I was my mom later on passed away when I was around nine years old um, and I was subsequently um, trafficked into the United States by my father. And so I ended up in um, foster care and, um, you know, was in the system in 13 different foster homes. Unfortunately, only one of the homes was actually a healthy home for me to be in. Um, and I went through a lot more trauma in those homes and I wrestled a lot with my relationship with God and just really understanding how someone who called himself my friend would allow me to go through a lot of pain. But um, what I ended up realizing was that he had always been there through every single one of those circumstances and that he was using the things that I experienced to actually propel me into my purpose. Um, I know that some people are, will probably have a hard time hearing that, but I hope that we can maybe unpack that a little bit more as we continue to talk. Yeah, no, there were a lot of just key words that you were sharing as you were uh, talking about your history. And um, I know that there are listeners right now who can identify with different parts of your journey. And um, you sharing that at three years old, you encountered him, right? Where you said, God, I want you to be my friend. And now, you know, where you're at right now, you're able to look back at your life and see that, oh, okay, God, you were with me in the pain. Um, I was recently, you know, listening to a teaching and she was talking about suffering and she was talking about the moments in her life where she was violated and her parents had no idea. Her parents were intentionally bringing her to a place that she thought that they thought would be safe. And she came to a place of understanding through her journey with God, as she matured in the things of God, as she learned about the character of God, that God was there and that he was always going to be there. So how would you, even right now for a woman who did just hear what she said and is like, I don't know how I can repurpose this pain. What would be the first few steps, right? Like the first uh, three steps that you would give them to help pull them out of that place of just desolation and pain and heartache? 
Right. So I think about the scripture where it talks about a broken and and contrite heart that God is not going to despise that person. Right. And so um, at the end of the day, brokenness, God is very near to. Right. And so if you're able to allow yourself to be broken, I believe that it is the first step for allowing the manifestation, the presence of God to really encounter you in a major way. Um, I think oftentimes when we go through pain, sometimes pride wants to come in and just get us to buck up and to stay strong and to push through. And we hear all these words about, you know, well, just, just push through, just whatever. And at the end of the day, I see a God who is so near the brokenhearted. And so brokenness is that first step. It was me admitting that I had gone through way more than I felt that I could bear. Although the word tells me that he will never leave me, you know, put me through more than I could, I could handle. Essentially, I felt that I had reached my maximum. Um, and in that brokenness, God encountered me. The other thing is really asking him where he was. God is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of us essentially challenging him, right? And so when I asked him, where were you? You know, because when I think about when he asked Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, you know, he asked Adam, where are you, Adam? And he says, Adam says, here I am. He says that to Abraham. Lots of people in the Bible, he constantly asked them where they are. I had to ask God where he was, right? Because I didn't feel that he was with me in those really difficult times. And so when I asked him where he was, it was a time after I had been going to, uh, to therapy for quite a while. And I just started asking myself, okay, I believe in you, but like, where, where were you? He literally started showing me pictures of him cradling me when unfortunately people would do things that were not good to me. He showed me times where he shielded me from my father's blows. And he showed me times where he just rocked me to sleep. And um, the times where he showed me direction of where to run, where to hide. Um, you know, one of the things that I share about my story. When I ran away from my trafficker, I literally heard the voice of God tell me to get up and run. Um, I was told I couldn't leave the home. I never, I could never talk to anyone. But when I heard God's voice tell me to run, there was a boldness that came upon me that just got me up and I just took off. And then the police officer met me on the corner of the road, which then put me in the care system. And so when I look back at times like that, where one, my brokenness was encountered by God, and then two, um, God being able to, to just, I don't know, just meet me in, 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 in answer and tell me where he was. Um, and then the, ter the third thing was just really celebrating life. Um, I know that that sounds like a very um, strange thing to tell people, but um, this life is difficult at times, but I have truly encountered more beauty than I have pain. And so when I look at the totality of my life and I look at the fullness of what God has done, um, I cannot deny, of course, the, the batter and the, the, the molestation and the rape and all these things. I can't deny those things. But when I look at the birth of my child, when I look at my businesses, when I look at the women who've been healed, when I look at the amount of ministry that I've done, when I look at the, the time that I had with my mother on this earth, and I look at the friendship I've made. When I look at the beautiful food that I get to enjoy and the travel that I get to be able to experience all over the world, I cannot sit there and say that God is not good. And so those are the three things that I would say. So um, being able to be broken, being able to ask God where he is, um, and then also being able to celebrate life. Mm, oh my gosh, that those three answers are so rich. 
and uh, I know that they are encouraging, even even for me personally, because it's so easy for us to look at the bad things that happened. And I feel like naturally, even in society, right, we're just, you know, we are taught all of this fear-based, you know, teaching and that there is no God and you have to help yourself. And when you are in that type of thinking constantly, it's going to affect how you view even God and his goodness in your life. And I love how you talked about you, you made the decision to celebrate, right? And um, with even just with what you're sharing and your testimony and your story, we see a lot of God winks, right? Where God carried you and he called you. So when was that like defining moment in your life where you knew, okay, God, now that I've experienced this, you're calling me to be set apart. How do I separate myself from what has happened to me so that I can encourage others? Right. Um, it is two things. Um, it was first me being marked by God with yeah. pain. And I know that that's, again, it sounds very like, what does she mean by being marked by God with pain? But um, it was me realizing at a very early age when things started happening to me that something must be different about my life mm. um, because the enemy does not come after people who don't matter to God. And so when I realized that I was having a pattern of pain, a pattern of trauma, a pattern of hurt, I knew that there was a marking that had been placed over my life that... Mm want that the enemy wanted to destroy so much so that I would be disconnected from the life and purpose that God had for me. Now, it didn't stop me from being angry at God at times. It didn't stop me from feeling as though I was maybe rejected by him because of course the enemy lies to us even when we know the truth, right? And so it didn't stop all of those things, but um I I was always in a sense aware, but the moment that I got up, um and I want to paint a picture for you. The woman who's caught in adultery is about to be stoned by these religious Pharisees and men. They don't think about their own sin. They're only thinking about the law. And Jesus essentially calls them out on some things. And then he kneels down alongside her and essentially gets her to stand up and to look around for her accusers and to not be able to find one, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, she could have, she was aware of all of the things that were going on with her, but it was the moment that she got up that yeah. her entire story literally changed, right? Mm -hmm. It is the moment that she chose to not yeah. focus on her accusers, her abusers, yeah. the people who were about to literally kill her, stone her to death, that her entire life changed. That moment for me, although I was always aware that I was a marked woman, I knew, and a called woman, I knew that the time that I got up was after my divorce. When I looked around and I had nobody else but God, when my child was taken away from me, my husband was no longer there. I had zero friends. My family felt like they had disowned me and I had no one else but God and his presence to have to deal with. Then that's when I started to really walk in my purpose. And a lot of the times it seems as though everything has to be stripped from us for those who are called, right? It seems as though Everything has to be stripped from us in order for us to literally begin to walk mm. in the presence and purpose of God. And so that's what happened to me. Things oh being God. completely stripped and me going, 
Okay, <laughs> I have no other option but to serve this for the rest of my life because I'm called. I'm a called woman. Called. Yeah. Yes, and that's so beautiful because even with you know suffering, right? I think we don't have a healthy view or a biblical view of what suffering looks like, right? Because the thing is, is that Jesus, he suffered, but he suffered knowing the glory that he would walk into. He suffered knowing that he was walking in obedience and that there was a bigger call on his life, right? To be able to bring us into eternity. And even as you were talking about the woman who was stoned, who, who was going to be stoned, I thought about the woman at the well, right? If she wouldn't have went at that time, right? Right? to to uh, get her water if she would have not talked to Jesus right during that time her life would have not been changed and um I would love to ask you because with you like recognizing that you were marked recognizing that God's hand was on your life how how can a woman who doesn't feel marked but is marked how can they come into that revelation of being able to see, okay, no, like there's a pattern here. Like how can a woman be awakened to that? Because I feel like when you're walking in so much pain and it's become a part of your identity, you just accept it as that versus looking it through the lens of like, okay, God, like I have a plan on this earth. Your plans for me are good. So how, how would you help a woman unpack that? Right. I would have her first off, like you said, recognize patterns. At the end of the day, one of really the main things that I do in my practice is helping people identify the patterns of their life, right? In order to heal, in order to receive the blessings of God, it's like, what are the patterns that life is really um, telling you? And so um, I would help her recognize the patterns. Whatever patterns you notice that are prevalent in your life are typically the area that God wants you to break generational curses in. I fully, fully believe that um, that before I came upon this earth in a, in a flesh suit, that the spirit of God had an assignment for me, like he says, that he, his plans for me were already great. He knew me before I actually entered into this in this flesh realm, essentially, right? And so at the end of the day, God knew that I was going to have to um, experience some things and then understand his goodness and greatness through it and then live out whatever it is that I'm going to live out in life. And I think that when you start to pay attention to the patterns that are coming at you, you know the place of purpose that God has for you. For me, it was always in abuse and some sort of um, sexual perversion that was put on me. So God wanted me to help other people to heal from the pain that came from that. And so once you get, you, you pay attention to your patterns, you now start to ask yourself, what gifts and talents do I have? Right. Because, um, a lot of the times when you go through pain, what is trying to be washed away essentially is the, the power and the, the giftings that God has placed in you. A lot of the our gifts and our talents are not really seen by the rest of the world when we are in pain because we hide, right? And I start to ask myself, well, what, what things do I actually have gifts to do that my pain is currently hiding 
is that are currently hiding behind my pain. And so I started noticing I am called to speak. I am called to to heal people. I am called to to counsel and walk with the broken, right? And it's so interesting because I used to want to be a lawyer. That's all I wanted to be. I was like, I'm going to defend people who've been abused. I'm going to get these bad guys. And God was like, I've called you to counsel, but not legal counsel, Elsa. You can run away from what you are called to do, but at the end of the day, it's still going to keep calling you, right? Deep calls to deep. God was calling me to the deeper work of healing people. And so when I recognized my gifts and talents, I was now able to then mesh the pain that I that I encountered with the gifts that God had already placed in me before the foundations of the earth. And that birthed a lot of what I do today. So those are the two things that I will say, pay attention to your patterns and pay attention to your giftings. How would you describe a renaissance woman? Because I believe that there are a lot of women, especially in our world today, in our generation today, in the generation that's coming up, that is so gifted. You know, they're multi-talented. Um, so how would you how would you define that? And, and also, how would you encourage a woman who feels as though she is uh, multi-talented? Yeah, so... For me, a Renaissance woman is a woman who possesses a lot of gifts, talents, ideas, wisdom, and knowledge. And so um, there's an accumulation of that because of her life and the things that she's encountered and what God has placed in her. And so um, a lot of the times, Renaissance women are very they can sometimes be confused because they possess so much. They have a lot in them. And so um, it's easy for them to want to express it to everyone at all times and at all places. Um, but that typically happens when you are not mature or have not walked with a mentor um, and understood your gift things very well. And so as a Renaissance woman, I realized that the things that I experienced in life were all a culmination of what God was calling me to do and the things that I have yet to even see that I'm going to do in the future. And so um, with that, I had to begin to cultivate those giftings and focus one at a time on what is necessary now and for the specific time that I am in. So for those who are who believe that they're a Renaissance woman, who maybe have a desire to own a, a clothing line and to start a podcast and to build some sort of business and to whatever it is, but maybe are having, are having a hard time because they possess so much, I would say learn to cultivate one gift at a time. Learn to do one thing at a time. And of course, sometimes you can do several things in, um, in different, you know, arenas of life, but I think that you have to perfect one thing at a time so that God can really fully use you the way that you are supposed to be used. And so that's what I've really done is perfected specific things at certain times, put them out, then gone back to the drawing board and said, okay, now that I'm doing this well, is it time for me to release or start the next thing? Um, and as long as I have permission and as long as I feel that I am, um, essentially being uh, called at that specific time to do it, then I go ahead and move forward. But I never let all of, um, you know, th there's a passage in scripture that talks about the woman who has the coin or hidden under uh, her lamp hidden under a bushel or whatever it is. I can't remember how to uh, the specific thing, but I don't want anything, any um, beautiful lamp or um, beautiful thing that I have to be hidden. And so I, them at different times as God calls me to. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So like, how do you know which 
which gift to start mm-hmm. cultivating, right? Because we know that like life happens and maybe you're, you know, you're working on one gift and then, you know, something hits you hard and then you stop. Like, how would you, like, how do you discern what gift needs to be cultivated in each season and how do you confront um, you know, resistance, like warfare to where you're like, man, okay, God, I know that you've called me to do this. Um, how do you handle those, those areas? I want to address the warfare first. Warfare okay. is always going to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is even more so present. And so yeah. um, I have had to learn to yes, know that war warfare is there, but to know that God is even fighting for me more than whatever is against me. And so when I have that in mind, I then only focus on what he's given me to do. And so I think of Esther um, and the preparation that was necessary for that specific time. My late mom's first name is Esther, which is Esther in in English. And so I always just think about the preparation that Esther had to go through for that specific timing. I always ask, what I do is I ask God, am I in your time or your epoch? Um, Epoch is like a French word, but it's like your your timing, your Kairos moment of what is happening in my life. And so, um, and if I'm not in the right timing, I literally start asking him to block things that are not supposed to happen. And what I will see is the things that I try to push at literally just end up being closed. The doors literally completely close out on me. And I realize, okay, that's not a door that I'm supposed to push forth and open. But that's because I pray very specifically to God. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times we don't pray specific prayers. We just, you know, tell God to bless things and we tell God to give us whatever, but we don't pray for things like, hey, God, if I'm moving one or two steps past what you desire me to go, I need you to literally close that door or that roadway for me to not be able to enter it. And then recognizing that because that door closed, I prayed for that. And so I don't need to buck up on something. A lot of times the resistance is actually answer prayers that God is giving us. It's, it has nothing to do with the enemy. I've realized in my personal life, at least that most of the resistance that I experience are the prayers that I prayed a long ago um, for God to be able to protect me and to direct my path in life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in relationships, it's in business endeavors, it's in whatever. Um, And so at the end of the day, I, it's important for you to recognize what the timing is. Is it the time for me to actually release whatever it is that I'm supposed to release? Is it the time for me to partner up with this person? Is it the time for me to do whatever it is I'm supposed to do? Timing is the most important thing when it comes to releasing different parts and pieces of who you are and what you're called to in a season. Yeah, no, that's really good because, you know, the timing is key because I know that I've been through seasons to where I've released something prematurely or, and when I've done that and not heated right to what I sense the Lord was wanting me to do, it feels like it kind of, I would feel like I had to backtrack and what was kind, because I believe like, even in our, even in our relationship with the Lord, like there is a sacredness with that. It's a relationship. It's something that's holy. So it's like, there's some things that he, he wants to keep, you know, between, him and I, right? And I think that's the beautiful part about serving a living God is that we get to have that type of relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So as you've been walking out your call and you've been serving women in different capacities, what have been, what has been some, um, some roadblocks, right? Because we're hearing, uh, 
your uh, friendship with the Lord and how you how you listen to him and you ask him questions and you walk with him. What have been some roadblocks on the journey of you uh, walking out your call? You know, <laughs> the number one roadblock has been myself and my immaturity. Um, quite frankly, if um, when I look back at the totality of my life and I think about the things that have stopped me from being able to actualize some of the things that I was supposed to, it's been majority of time, about 60% of the time, my immaturity and just the things that I was very unaware of. Right. And so in immaturity looks like me not praying before I do something, me, um, thinking that I should partner with someone when that person is completely not even of the Lord. Right. Uh, me thinking that someone has my best interest when they actually don't. Right. And so not, and then also another roadblock has been not having wise counsel. I was one of those people who used to beg, literally beg for someone to mentor me. Right. A lot of people in my generation don't really care to have mentors. I'm like, I need you to give me all the mentors because I am, I don't want to make mistakes that I don't have to. I've already made enough of them. Right. And so, um, it would be not going to wise counsel when I'm supposed to or when I need to, to be able to help me iron out certain things that I have to in order to do what I'm supposed to do next. The other thing has also, quite frankly, been people, right? I, I, we have to realize that in life, um, there is us, there's God, there is the spirit realm, and then there's other people that we interact with. And so I have known at times, like, I'm supposed to partner with this person, I'm supposed to do this work, and God has shown me, but maybe the other person doesn't hear God the way I do. Maybe the other person does not feel what I feel, right? And so I have had to in just really be okay with others not um being on one accord like I am um, for the opportunities that I felt that I could have, should have had. And then also just not beating myself up about it and just being able to go, you know what? We both didn't hear from God and that's okay. You know, Jenny Allen says something in one of her books where she, she says, you know, people will disappoint you. Um, you know, I, I'll disappoint you. You'll disappoint me, but God will never disappoint us. Right. And so at the end of the day, I realized that people play a huge part of my destiny as well. And everybody does not respond to the call. And so I have to just, you know, release those who don't and acknowledge the ones who do and Pray that God gives clarity and understanding to those who are supposed to be on this journey for purpose with me. Yeah. No, as you're talking, I'm just thinking Elsa is a free woman. Okay. Now, so <laughs> I'm thinking about, I remember um, I was having a conversation with somebody a few, a, a, a few years back and they were giving me a word and they were just saying like, you know, God wants you to know that you're free. And even hearing you, you know, talk about uh, the roadblocks and what you've had to go through. And what I'm hearing is that you made the commitment. You've made covenant with God of God. I'm going to follow you at all costs. And even when I don't understand it, and even when others do not understand it, and that can be scary, right? Because we're humans, right? Like we want our mom to be like, go girl, go get it. Yes, God's calling you to do it. Or maybe friends in past seasons who were cheering us on and, and then you do something different and they're not as you know supportive in the way that you want or you think you need. So how would you, even just in your own experience, right? Because I, I also hear that you are, you, um, 
you've learned how to create healthy boundaries, boundaries within your life and also boundaries in your relationships and also boundaries in your mind of what you're going to allow to come in and speak another word. So how would you encourage our listeners to be able to really refine their confidence and their ability to hear God for themselves and Mm -hmm. to actually accept the truth that they are called if no one around them affirms it or acknowledges it. Right. Um, You know, first thing I'll say is my name Elsa means God is my oath. So I literally like when I say he named me on purpose, he named me on purpose because that's all I literally have. Right. Um, The first thing would be you have to make a decision that God is going to be all that you have at the end of the day. Like, I know that it is natural for you to desire the applause of man, the affirmation and all these things. But what is the affirmation of man if God is not for you, right? right? And so when I started realizing that the fear of God is so much more important than whatever else is happening here with other human beings, I think that that was the first part of my freedom, because naturally I'm a huge people pleaser. Um, but I had to learn that my pleasing God made me feel better about life than me trying to make other people happy all the time. And then constantly feeling disappointed. Right. And so that, that step to freedom and freeing my mind started off with me realizing like Elsa fear God, literally that's, that's really the thing that you need to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. And when I started fearing God, I was liberated to, to yes, desire naturally for people to want to come along my journey and to applaud me and to and to love me and to be like, Elsa, go girl, you better do this. Oh my gosh, you're walking it. We see what you did in that interview. We see what you did with, with this and blah, blah, blah. But I, I started to live for the applause of one. Yeah. That's really it. Mm-hmm. I focused more on the applause of one, which was God. And then the, the other thing is I also focused on the, the, the healing of one. And what I mean by that is sometimes we are so focused on catching the masses that we forget about the one person that God sent to you to impact in a, in a crowd of 10,000, right? And so I always say this, especially when I'm like doing, let's say like a trauma course that I'm doing, I say, God, if I don't impact every single one of these women, let there just be one that is actually truly transformed. Let there just be one who really has a miraculous encounter with you. Let there just be one. If you can just give me that one, I will feel as though I have accomplished whatever it is that you've called me to. Mm -hmm. And so yes, desire the admiration, affirmation, the praise of those around you and the many, but live for the applause of one and find that one that you're actually supposed to impact. And I think it will help Mm -hmm. liberate you when you are so concerned or any of the women when they're concerned about, um, you know, all the, you know, just being able to, to do whatever it is for everyone around them. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's so good. And, And there's so much safety in having that type of mindset and perspective, because that is the truth at the end of the day. And that one person can affect generations, right? Of just being able to go in and know, okay, God, use me how you want to use me, God. I don't care if it's one, 10 million or whatever, I'm going to be obedient to what you want me to say. Um, So even with uh, you 
are such a woman that desires to see women set free, right? In their minds and in their lives. And I know, even just listening to you personally, that there is an increased hunger of more, you know, that I am sensing. I'm like, God, more and more. And that's what I believe is beautiful about sisterhood, what's beautiful about podcasts like this to where we're able to really come together as sisters in Christ and kind of just be infused with energy and hope for what's possible. So how would mm -hmm. you, with, with encouraging you know, women and mentoring women and speaking to women, like I would love for you even now, because you shared the importance of mentorship and mm -hmm. my hope and prayer with these episodes is that, is that, is that these would be like, you know, many mentorship moments for women, because yes. I know for me, I cried and begged for mentors in my life. And during that season, I was, you know, digesting like podcasts and books and radio, just trying to get something. And just in the last couple of months, God has actually brought me mentors, right? To where I hadn't had any, right? So I think right now, you know, called women in this episode right now is, is that starting point, you know, for a lot of women. So how would you, just as a woman that has gone through, who is still going on a journey with the Lord, how would you want right. to encourage a woman right now who is hearing your story, who is excited about their call, but maybe they feel alone. They don't mm -hmm. feel like they have a mentor. Like, what did you do, you know, during those seasons of kind of hanging at the balance? You know, what were some practices that you put into place to help carry you, um, mm -hmm. you know, into where you are now. Yeah. So I was very intentional with God that like, I needed someone to help me, you know, I, I didn't really have a mom to be able to kind of guide me and tell me all the women things that need to happen. Like I kind of raised myself in that way a little bit. And so I knew that to be successful and to do what I, what I was truly called to do, somebody was going to have to step into my life and help guide me in some way, shape or form. So it became a daily part of my prayer life. Um, and I did not relent until God started bringing people, you know, until he started showing me women who could help cultivate me. Right. And so that's thing. That's the thing that we need. A lot of us women need to be cultivated into our purpose. We need to be cultivated into our calling. And so we start by praying for what we need. I don't know what I, I didn't know what I needed, but God knew what I needed. And so in my ask for a mentor and for women who would kind of sharpen me and really guide me along in the right direction. He brought along great people. One of my biggest mentors who I just spoke to last night, um, she came in and, and she found me, right? I think about how Jesus, you know, mentored his disciples. He found them. They didn't go seeking out for him. Of course, they knew him. They were in community with him, but he went and found them, he called them out and brought them into his world to observe the things that he was doing and to propel them into their destiny. And so she identified that I was a woman who loved God, but was also very motherless. And I remember the very first time that we, that we, we sat together and I was like, what does this woman mean? But she said, Elsa, I feel like I'm supposed to mother you. And I said, mother me? I said, I'm a grown woman. What do you mean by mother me? You know? Um, and I just had to sit in that when I left her presence and I said, 
You know, I actually have been a motherless child. What would it look like for me to submit under this person who is a pastor, who has been leading, you know, women for a very long time as a leader of leaders? What does it mean for me to submit to her? And so I had to literally submit to whatever that was going to look like. Um, it, lo it was very challenging because I'm a very flighty person. You know, someone, you do something, listen, I am out the door so quickly. I'm like, I don't need two seconds to wait. I'll be gone so quickly. And so the, the parts of me that are still mending would want to flee from what this, this cultivation and this mothering felt like, but God kept me in it to realize like, this is someone who is for you. And there are many more of them who really want to see you succeed, who desire to see your son grow old and to do what call to do and who want to celebrate your wins with you and who are not going to be jealous and envious who are just actually going to love you well. And so when I allowed myself also to be loved well, I started to receive the love that I needed. And a lot of us women who are called don't know what it looks like to really let ourselves be loved. And so I will say to you called women, um, what would it look like for you to let yourself be loved by someone who is actually, who has all the good intentions for you? I think that when you allow that to happen, something beautiful begins to be cultivated in you and you can do even more than what you have been tasked to do by God. So, yeah. Oh, I love that, Elsa. Yes, because I believe that there's a reframing of what mentorship is in the earth, in the church, in the world, right? Um, because in, pa in past seasons, I viewed mentorship as this hierarchical deal, right? Where it's just like, the fairy godmother is going to like hit you on the head and this is your, and I'm called to you. But I see now that even with the mentors that I have, they found me or there was just this divine, you know, conversation or this divine connection that took place and they saw me, right? They didn't see everything that I had accomplished or what I have. It was like, no, I see your soul. And yeah. in that moment when your mentor said, okay, like, I, be I believe, I sense that the Lord's wanted me to mother you. And you were like, wait, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to process it. And then you came into the understanding that, oh my gosh, this woman simply wants to love me. And mm -hmm. even a few years back, Elsa, I was at a church service and we were doing like, uh, you know, prayer sessions and stuff like that. And there was so much focus on like fatherlessness, which it really is an epidemic. It really is something that's happening. It's real in our world. But what the Holy Spirit told me was like, there's an epidemic of like motherlessness. And I, and at the church, at the place that I was at, I was like, oh my gosh, we're so focused on man, you know, which it's a real thing, but also women need their mothers. Like we are called to be nurturers. We need to have that part of our selves poured into you. And I believe that there is a lack of that happening, which is causing a lot of women to not be able to accept or tap into the sensitivity and tenderness and softness. And I know we have like the hashtag, like soft life. I'm not talking about, you know, dressing in soft clothes and wearing, you know, dainty feminine stuff. It's more being able to be in tune with how he created you from the core, 
not from what you were birthed into or what pain has defined you as, but coming back even to the garden, coming back to the nature mm -hmm. in which the Lord, you know, made us. So, um, yeah. And I know, you know, because even <laughs> this is a, this would have to be a whole other conversation. Listen, the whole hyper independence and quote unquote liberation of women is really associated to the lack of mothers yeah. and ability for women to be nurtured well. And so I think that when the true Eve is restored mm. within the woman, that her femininity will arise in such yes. a beautiful way she can literally actually walk in the purpose and calling that she's called to. So yeah, yeah. we, we are definitely also in, yeah, we've already, I think, passed the fatherless generation. We are yeah. in a motherless generation that needs to be um, coddled, cradled, nurtured, and just tended to held. again. So, held. Yeah. And you know, I think this is a great way to end the episode because I, it's so, it's so necessary. And like how you said, you believe that that generation has ended right and it's true i i agree i agree with that it is very true to where it's like it's time for for women to come back into their rightful place not just in the boardrooms you know but in their their personal lives in their homes in their relationships in their identity with christ so i would love you know since you have given yourself to uh, you know, being poured into, you know, by a mother and you even mothering other women with helping them to cultivate their purpose. Would you mind just sharing some last words? Like if you were sitting across the table from a called woman right now, what would you encourage her with, you know, as a mentor, um, as a cultivator, as a nurturer, as a called woman, what would you encourage our listeners with? I would encourage her to look at the patterns and the markings of her life. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage the called woman to pay attention to the gems, the beautiful giftings that she has and possesses inside of her. That yes, there are some painful things that you've experienced. There are some things that have caused you to question the provision, the voice, the presence of God, but pay attention to everything else that testifies of his goodness yeah. and what he has placed you on this earth to do and yeah. begin to arise and step into your calling and take your rightful place for yes. such a time as this. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you so much for being a part of the Called Woman Podcast. I would love for you to share how our listeners can stay uh, connected with you. Absolutely. You can find me on all social media platforms, primarily Instagram at I am Elsa Christie. Um, you can also email me at hello at elsachristie.com or go to my website, elsachristie.com. And just if you need counseling or just coaching, whatever, just reach out to me on any of those platforms. So. Yes. Make sure to check out. Yes. Instagram. She has all of the deets there of how you can stay connected with her. She has a lot of really fun things that are happening um, and all of that. So thank you again, Elsa. What did you think of today's episode? I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you found any value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you downloaded this episode by hitting that little down arrow wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. 
If you have any big takeaways from today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this episode. I absolutely love hearing how you feel about the episodes that I'm sharing and creating for you. So feel free to tag me on social media with any truths or breakthroughs that you have received. I love reading what you find the most value in. Thank you again for being here today. And I pray that you felt the love of God through today's episode. And always remember that you belong in God's story.